Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. I thought this morning that what I would do is to share the reason we're all here, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating, not just 25 years, but well over 2,000 years of the gospel of Jesus Christ doing what Jesus himself would be done. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, and to Shalfon, Pennsylvania. And we've heard about him as he has been heard, and the gospel has been heard around the world. This morning, I'd like to share a message on the gospel and God's salvation. Most people live their lives on planet Earth between two dates over which they have absolutely no control. Their birthday and their death day. Most people look at their lives between those two points. We read stories, you know, they fell in love and they lived happily ever after. You ever heard that? Well, that's in the perspective, you follow me, between birthday and death day. Most people that I have met in life believe that after their death day, they're going to heaven. Is that not true? Almost everybody believes they're going to heaven. Going to see grandma and grandpa up there and, oh yeah, dad's playing golf. You ever heard those kind of things? Where do people have the presumptuous arrogance to tell God's what's going to happen in heaven? The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have two problems. We have a problem with sin and we have a problem with sins. Sin singular in the Bible means I have an attitude that I run my own life. It's what Adam did in the garden. He said, thank you, God, very much for creating me. You may leave now. I can handle it from here. He wanted to be God over God. He thought he was smarter than God. And that's true of all of us. We all have this problem that we think because we have been given life that we have the right to control it, manage it, and get what I want. And so as a result of that, we commit sins, specific acts of disobedience for which we feel guilt. You see, the only hope of our really going to heaven is if God would forgive us of our sin. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a second. How holy do you have to be to get into heaven? Think, that, think about that for a second. How holy do you have to be? According to the Bible, you have to be perfectly sinless. That's a biblical truth. Well, think with me for a moment. If you had cancer and you were diagnosed and the doctor said you have cancer, how many of those cancer cells would you want out of your body? You wouldn't want to hear you were going to go into remission, would you? You'd want to hear that, hear that every cancer cell was taken out. God says, I'm telling you that anyone who gets into my eternal heaven will have to be completely disinfected of all their sin because only holy people get into my heaven. Well, I guess we could stop the message there and say, I guess none of us are going right. <laughs> Wrong. You see, we here in, in planet Earth, there was no one, nobody's perfect, right? Nobody's perfect. Wrong. Wrong. There was one person who was perfect. The only normal human being who ever walked on planet Earth, and his name was Jesus Christ. He, as a human being, came down from heaven and lived the life that you and I were supposed to live. If you think you're something wonderful and someone good, well, then compare yourself with Adolf Hitler or some other brutal person, and you'll look good. 
But go study the life of Jesus and you'll find yourself falling on your face saying, if that's the way I was supposed to live, I'm a miserable failure. Jesus, who lived the perfect sinless life, is the only one who can fix our problem with sin. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. From the moment I'm willing to admit my sin, I give up, Lord. Problem with me is me. And I ask Jesus Christ to forgive me, and I, and I believe that he is the only one who can save me. From that moment on, God begins this great process we call salvation. And there's three steps in the process. The first step is God declares me forgiven of my sin, all my sin, past, present, and future, and that's called justification. From that moment, God does stage two of our salvation, and he begins changing us and washing us of our sin. It's called sanctification. And then there's the final glorious moment when God will remove sin from us completely when Jesus Christ returns, and that's called glorification. Let me try to explain to you with an illustration this morning. How many of you remember? You, you know how I like to use illustrations, you guys that have been here. Uh, I always use something visual. What do you see? Somebody. Huh? A block of wood, right? Right, okay. You know what that is? That is a sandpiper. See it? I've been carving birds for over 30 years. I'm a world-renowned carver. Did you know that? You were supposed to laugh at that. Okay, okay, okay. Seriously, I've I've carved almost 10,000 birds. That's not a joke. That's the truth. My point is, in this block of wood, I see a sandpiper. When you and I come to Jesus Christ, God says, you're a saint because you've accepted my son. And he places the pattern of his son on my life and begins the process of transforming me that I will be as holy as Jesus is holy. In this passage this morning in Colossians 3, we see these three steps of salvation so clearly stated. Let me read it for you one more time. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on, on, the, on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you've died. You've died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. What's the point of this passage? Basically what I've said so far. God's salvation is a three-step process. And once I meet Jesus, I'm changed to be in him and to become like him. Justification. Let's start there this morning. Because I have met Jesus Christ by faith after I've admitted my sin, I am no longer me. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, it says here, if you've been raised with Christ or since you've been raised with Christ... And verse 3 says, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. What does it mean to have died and been raised with Jesus the moment I came to faith in him? Well, it's what's said in Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him. Therefore, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised, 
from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. Paul says it in Romans. He says that again in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this mean that I was crucified? I, I died and I rose again when I met Jesus. It's a little hard to understand. You see, the old guilty me who lived alone as a sinner running my own life died because Jesus moved in. This sinner who did what he pleased finds Jesus, and when Jesus moves in, and I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, I'm a resurrected person. Let me illustrate that for you. On June the 8th, 1968, at Millington Baptist Church, I stood in the back of the church, and the most beautiful woman in the world stood at the altar, Susan Jane McDonald. I walked down the aisle, and we'd said our vows, and when I walked in that place, I was me. And when she walked in the place, she was her me. And when we walked out of that place, we were we, and we've been we ever since. Hasn't always been easy. (laughs) But we have been we. Do you understand that when we got married, everything that she owned, I now owned, everything that I owned, She now owns? If we understand that illustration, we understand what it means that the moment I put my faith in Christ, he gives me his righteousness. Spiritually, I am no longer me, but I am me in Christ. Has nothing to do with my performance, but completely based upon Jesus' performance. I get all of Jesus' possessions the moment I receive him. I get his righteousness as a gift. Now listen to this next statement. It should blow your mind. The one person who lived a perfect sinless life comes to me and says, if you will receive me, I will give you my righteousness. Say it this way. God gives me credit for the way Jesus lived. Let that fry your brain. That here I was a sinner and here's the perfect son of God who lived a perfect sinless life as a human being and And Jesus tells me, if you will believe in me, my father will look at you as if you had lived your life the way I lived mine. I don't know if that makes you shiver, but it's amazing. I am right with God because he covers me. That's all kind of biblical principles. You know what God calls me from the moment I put my faith in Christ? He calls me a saint. Let me go back to my illustration. would be like saying, isn't that a beautiful carved sandpiper bird? Wouldn't you say? (laughs) And you go, are you crazy? No, I'm not crazy. Because you see, with my skills and my ability and the tools that I possess, I can pull out of this block of wood a finished sandpiper. And so God says, you're a saint, even though I haven't changed a bit. I haven't done anything. I haven't made any moves whatsoever. He puts the imprint of his son upon me, and he says, I'm going to, from this moment, treat you as though you were my own son and that you lived your life the way he lived his. When I receive Jesus, I am a saint. 
I'm no longer me because the me, the condemned sinner, died with Christ when I repented. And my life is no longer about me. I'm free from serving me. My life is about living not for Jesus, but in Jesus. And Jesus made a promise to me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll bet nobody in this room can say you made that promise to Jesus and kept it. Did you? The reason we're still being developed and we're growing in Christ is because of his hold upon our lives, because of his grace and his patience. Consider the wonderful things that are mine when I remember who I am and I remember who Jesus is. For the first time in my life, I have the hope of becoming a normal human being again. To become like Jesus. To become a servant. I'm not here to be served anymore. I'm here to be like Jesus. I'm here to give my life away. And every person I meet is to find Jesus in me, finding the love of Christ being expressed. I'm free to love like Jesus loves me, and I'm free to serve you. And the moment I put my faith in Christ, I died to being me, and I was justified. I was made right with God. I can never be guilty again. Guilt is a legal, technical term. I have broken the law. I now have a court date with God. I have no lawyer and no defense, and I'm in big trouble. But Jesus comes as my lawyer, as my defender, and he says, I have shed my blood on the cross for your sins. They have all been obliterated. When a Christian says to me, I feel really guilty about something, I say, you better go read your Bible again. A Christian should never feel guilty. But I may say to you, what is it that I feel when I don't obey the Lord? I'm in Christ and I'm not guilty, but when I'm not in fellowship with him, what I feel is shame, a biblical term. Shame is a heavy, heavy burden to bear. Confession of my sin is not I broke God's law. Confession of my sin as a Christian is, I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, I haven't obeyed you today. It's personal. This is an amazing story, this gospel of Jesus Christ. And so justification removes the guilt of my sin once and for all. But once step one is completed at a moment of time when I believe God starts step two, sanctification. Because I'm now in Christ, I already live in heaven because Christ came here and went back and was crowned the king of the kingdom. So my focal point, the source of all of my thinking is no longer in me, but looking to Christ. That's why Paul says, seek the things that are above. Try to find desire to obtain what is going on above. Set your mind on things that are above. The word means to think about, meditate on the things of God. Think like a heavenly person should think because you are a heavenly person now. Your citizenship has been transformed from being a citizen of this world to being a citizen of heaven from the moment you believe in Jesus. And when I look to heaven, what do I see? Let me tell you what I see according to Hebrews, verse 1, 3. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God. Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God. The king has already been crowned in heaven. He's already being worshipped. 
And here we are on planet Earth, still resonant in this body, but my mind is to be in heaven, worshiping him every day. I get my directions from him. What is sanctification all about? It's seeing Jesus on his throne in heaven right now and seeking to keep his commandments. Jesus made a promise to his disciples that when he left, he would send a helper, the Holy Spirit. He told the apostle the Spirit would bring to remembrance everything that Jesus taught them. And where do we find these commandments of Jesus? In the four biographies of Jesus. The four biographies. I incidentally, when I was talking to someone who doesn't know the Lord, I never call them the Gospels. I always call them the biographies of Jesus. I often will say to someone, have you ever read one of the biographies of Jesus? I didn't know there were any. I'll get you one. Get them a copy of the Gospel of John. They read it. I had a man come to Christ because of that. My point is here that our discipleship, our sanctification isn't found in the whole Bible, although we can learn everything about God and many things in the whole Bible. There's a little section here in the Bible that we call the four Gospels, the life of Jesus. The commandments that he gave are our commandments. These are the commandments by which we govern our lives. This is sanctification. The Holy Spirit brings to our remembrance the things that Jesus taught. True holiness is obeying him. When Jesus talked about his holiness, he never said, I kept the Ten Commandments. He was accused of breaking some of them. Never did. He says, I always did what my father told me. In his human body, in this, while he was on this planet, his mind was controlled by the father. He said, all I ever did was what I see my father doing. You know, Jesus showed us how to do everything he asked us to do. And now he says, now I've gone back to heaven and I've been crowned. I want you to listen to me every day. There were days when Jesus walked down the street and he healed 10 lepers. There were days he walked down the street and he walked past lepers. Because he walked in obedient 24-7 obedience to his father because it was personal obedience. That's what sanctification is. It's not trying to be a good boy, a good girl. It's trying to understand who Jesus is and letting him tell me what to do today. How is it that he communicates with me? Well, let me use this crazy illustration. Anybody here know what Wi-Fi is? Okay. Right now, signals going through this room. Okay. If I want to get them, I just pull out my receiver and we didn't, right? I get any information I want. Jesus says, don't Google it, Bible it. Study my word, meditate upon it. Let my thoughts and my heart communicate to you. And as you live and you bump into somebody, your neighbor, I will tell you what you are supposed to do for that neighbor. That's what sanctification is. Oh, yeah, I need to stop smoking, stop drinking, not dancing. That's still okay. No, maybe it is okay. The point is, all that nonsense that we've had of rules and regulations, this is a personal, intimate walk with Jesus every day. Let me share one personal illustration. I moved into a house. I'm always listening. I'm always trying to find out where people are, not to try to sell them the gospel, but to find out what God's doing in their lives and trying to meet them where God has already got them. I was only in the house about oh, maybe a couple weeks. 
My next door neighbor came over and said, I hear you're a retired pastor. And he kind of shivered like, oh boy, this is going to be fun. And I said, yeah, I am. And then he asked me a question, weird question. He said, do you miss preaching? Weird question, right? And I said, yeah, I do a bit, but uh, tomorrow I'm preaching at Manahawkin Baptist Church. And he said to me, what time? I said, 10 o'clock. He and his wife came to church the next day. Came to know Christ. They've been growing for the last 12 years in Christ. Did I do anything to make that happen? Absolutely not. I just moved in. Do you understand? Sanctification is a daily obedience to Christ, seeing what he wants, how he wants to use me, and letting the Spirit of God bring to my remembrance the commandments of Jesus and then applying them. So let me show you, with my carving illustration, what sanctification looks like. Can you see it now? Looks a little more like a sandpiper, right? Well, then, then what you do is you start taking pieces of wood off it, and you make it round. See, does that look more like a sandpiper, right? There's an old carving joke, incidentally, in decoy world. It says if you want to carve a bird, all you have to do is take a block of wood and remove everything that doesn't look like the bird. <laughs> well, essentially, isn't that what Jesus is doing in sanctification? He calls us this, and let me tell you, friends, all of us are at different stages in sanctification. And my point is that he is removing the sin from my life. Let me ask you, from the day that you were saved, can you look back and say, you know, there are things that I used to enjoy doing and I can't even think about doing them anymore? Can you look at your life and say, boy, I, I used to commit this sin or that sin, and man, I just realized they're gone. You see, that's because of the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ working in your life to make you look more like himself. Once we have gone through this process of sanctification, then is the final stage of our salvation called glorification. It says, when Jesus comes, I will be revealed to be his and will actually be holy as he is holy. Put it together. You died. You accepted Christ. You're now in him. You're resurrected. Secondly, now that you know him, you can't go back to the old way you used to live. You learn how to live into fellowship and obedience to him more and more, and you look more like him every day. But the grand finale of our salvation. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, what a statement. When Christ, who is your life, he is your life, he is my life appears, we shall appear with him because we shall see him as he is. When he appears, we shall be like him. At that moment, God will finish in our lives what he began the moment we met Jesus. We will actually become perfectly holy, holy enough to enter his eternal presence. At that moment, we find that we will be changed. Three stages, God's salvation. Question number one, you started yet? Have you started yet? Have you been justified? Have you come to the end of yourself and saying, what is life about? My life is an absolute mess. 
no reason for my life. There's no purpose that I'm living for. What's wrong with me? I can tell you, you're a sinner. So was I. I was a good one. Oh, that's a bad term. I know how to sin, so do you. And with sin comes consequences that we pay. And the reason we pay consequences in this life is that God loves us so much, he wants to wake us up. And to say, I want to remove the guilt of your sin. I want to give you eternal life. Anyone here this morning who has never received Christ, all you need to do is to honestly say, Lord, I give up. I honestly tell you, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God, and, and you're my only hope. And pray a simple prayer and ask him into your life. And then hold on, friends. You do that. You'll see Jesus work in your life. You will see him change you. So as we close this morning, I remind you there are three stages to our salvation. Justification, being declared free of the guilt of our sin. Sanctification, being changed. And glorification. So there's one more thing to do. And what is that? No takers. With the illustration. What do we need to do? Anybody? What do we need to do? We need to glorify the sandpiper. <laughs> On a count of three, I want you all to say in unison, sandpiper be glorified. Let's practice. Sandpiper be glorified. Okay, ready? With a real voice. One, two, three. And out he comes. Don't get hung up on the illusion, okay? <laughs> Just remember, in case you're worried about the illusion, kids, it was already in there. It's been in there the whole time I've been preaching. Here's my point, friend, that we will be completed and be made perfectly holy. Just like, sorry, I put his legs on backwards. Just like the sandpiper is completed. Does that make sense? Uh, in closing, I have one more thing I want to do. Is there anybody here who would be willing to give me $10 for that sandpiper? <laughs> I'm serious. Then, 20? 25? 30? 30? 35? No. We can't do that in church, can we? You know why? Because our salvation is not for sale. It's an absolute, total free gift given to anyone who will simply receive Christ. And I came here this morning to give this sandpiper away. I came to give it away. I came to give it away. Hello. First one who gets here gets it. You get it, boy. Ah. Uh -huh. yeah. I'll remember that. Uh -huh. It is $25 after. All right. We've had a little fun, but I hope that the seriousness of this illustration grabs your heart. 
Man, when, when, you're, when you accept Christ, he calls you a saint. I don't feel like a saint, okay? But he begins a process, and I begin to see my life shaped with the hope that finally, when Jesus returns, he will make, he, he will make me like himself. And we'll go to a place where there will be no sin and no death and no disease and no consequences. And that is the hope of keeping our mind above where Christ is seated. I leave you with one last promise of God as we close. Philippians 1.6 And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, your gospel is too big for us to comprehend beyond our ability to understand or to fathom. But one thing we are sure of, of how much you love us in spite of our sin and what you have done to bring us home to you forever. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming down from heaven to take on a human body and live a perfect sinless life and then that to offer that obedience to us to cover our sin. Thank you for going to the cross and paying the death sentence which we deserved so that we could come home to you. Father, we give you praise for that moment when your son will return and we will all be made like him. Thank you for the joy that comes to our hearts in knowing that our future is secure in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen.